Hey guys, how's it going? Uh, today is Wednesday the 27th, and I just want to introduce you to Mitch Felix from uh, Silicon Valley Real Producers Magazine. Uh, he is the publisher. He's also an entrepreneur, consultant, and sales trainer. Uh, welcome, Mitch, to the show. Glad to have you here. Uh, how's everything going? I'm, I'm doing great. Yeah, thank you for having me. And um, yeah, we're definitely, we're healthy, we're happy. Um, I'm really, really it's exciting to be able to be at this stage in my life at this time in my life in the world that we're in. So I, I think mindset's going a long way right now and things are going really well, better than I could have expected at the start of 2020. Yeah, mindset, that's definitely something we should talk about and especially during this time with shelter in place and everything going on with people's schedules and you know trying to take care of families and interactive business. Uh, mm -hmm. But before we get started with that, can you tell me more, tell us more about yourself? Yeah, thank you. So I, uh, was a shy kid in my elementary school. I, I went on to be attracted to working as a bank teller because I, I wanted to get out of that bubble. And so I worked in the kind of bank basic, take take money in, make deposits, learned how to speak to people. I called them 30 second friends and, and just became much more comfortable. And then in college, I, I was a UCLA kid and found a job called Cutco. And um, I'm one of the top 30 or 40 people in Cutco's 70 plus year history. So that went really well. And I found the real estate industry through the division that we built there with closing gifts. So I was helping real estate agents that close the transaction, brand themselves and retain clients with branded items. And um, there was usually Cutco, but I expanded. So we did different housewares and bottles and, and, and you know, all the basics that you'd see for a promotional company, we were able to brand all of that. And then um, that pivoted into working as a real producer franchise owner. So we're a part of a company now that's in a hundred different markets. And I run a business for Silicon Valley real producers. I also own San Mateo County real producers. Um, people may not know this, but Matthew's kind of a big deal. So we're actually writing a story about him and his success in real estate. He's got a very unique story that hits the um, magazine. I think we go to print this month. Hey, and nice. um, then we just have created a lot of opportunities through those relationships. And so, you know, I, I pivoted away from time to time. Like I did real estate consulting and actually was a management consultant for an audiology company for six or seven months. And at the end of the day, though, I just really like owning my own businesses and actually just this week, we founded a PPE company. So we're now in the um, uh, hand sanitizer, masks, uh, gloves, soaps, all, all of those companies uh, need sellers. You know, P direct sales is really my my strong suit. So we've also, in addition to all the other businesses I run, we're now helping close some multi-million dollar transactions in that space. So that's been pretty exciting to partner with several people from real producers and bring a lot of the sales professionals from those two other careers, Cutco and the magazine into this new space together. And I'm, I'm one of three founders there. So I'm very excited to talk about that as well. Nice. It sounds like you just packed a jam full of good information about everything you're doing on. And we want to break it down and start talking about those. And um, you definitely do a lot. And I think you, you haven't even added your other full-time job is being a husband, being a father and having a newborn baby girl. And that's beautiful. And, you know, I can't imagine how much you're doing every day to do all of this and take care of everyone and have jobs for everyone and, you know, work to help everyone in all these different spaces. Yeah. I, uh, Sometimes I forget that the title exists, even frankly. My, my wife, you know, I honor my my vows. I say I don't vow often, but when I do, I mean it. And, uh, you know, I honor my vows and we're here and we're, we're I'm really grateful I picked the right wife because we're uh, having a fantastic time being together. It could be a bit of a nightmare, I imagine. Um, but it's really special to have a 16 week old, 16 weeks old today, Juliet. Yes. Um, thank you. Yeah, she's healthy and she's just, uh, it's a whole different phase. It's our first baby. And, um, 
February 5th was her due date. She hit it like the morning. So it's very, very punctual little girl. And um, it, it's interesting because of course the overlay on all of this is, is COVID and, and um, the opportunities to think about how to frame your life. And so we created a structure together. She's an executive and also runs her own secondary business. That's an accounting firm. And I'm able to help support her as a mom and an executive. And then um, we didn't have any help. So we were doing it and figuring it out together. And um, she's an Iron Man and doesn't complain. She just finds a way. Um, and so despite these uh, kind of unexpected circumstances, we've really been having a great time. And um, yeah, so it's a, be, being a husband is a different job than being a, being a father, than being an executive. They're all uh, on the schedule and I work a schedule. And I always used to think a schedule was kind of just for almost like it was an exercise that I participated in, but I didn't need to follow it. And now I follow it almost to the T because it's just too much to not follow it. <laughs> yeah, I think time blocking helps a lot. And especially when you have so many different thing, tasks and jobs to do, uh, if you can time block and you know plan it with your partner or your wife and make those commitments, then you're able to execute a lot more efficiently because you know that you have a so limited time, especially when you're doing so many different things uh, to help everyone. Uh, first off, we'll start by, you said you mentioned um, you know being one of the top producers at Cutco and creating that part of that brand and helping real estate agents and providing closing gifts. What's that about? I don't think all agents heard about Cutco before. No. Um, so they're an American-made housewares company. So if you have heard about it, you probably heard about it because a young man or woman came to your home one summer and sold you some knives. They probably called you out of the blue and they're the, the, you know, some family friend probably that their kids got a summer gig and they're going to come and, and, and sell you. And I, I was a UCLA student. I only knew two people's parents that I started that business with. And we now have over 6,000 clients. I've, I've written more orders than most people in that company. And um, almost to a fault, frankly, sometimes you do something really well for a really long time and you don't realize that maybe there's an opportunity to grow outside of that. But Cutco, the product is fantastic. They're uh, American-made housewares. Uh, in fact, someone I hired yesterday for the PPE company, used to, his dad used to sell Cutco. He sold, he sold his way through college selling Cutco. And that's how a lot of people got the job. Um, I went into management. So I, I didn't really have a plan. I didn't want to go on to law school, but I was pre-law when I left UCLA. So I was kind of lost about what to do in business. Being an MBA didn't really strike me as important because I'd had some early success in Cutco. So I, I went and I started to sell, but also recruit. And I became a manager where I was assistant manager and then branch manager and then a district manager in Santa Barbara. And I, I learned how to go ahead and sell, but I also learned how to teach other people how to sell. And um, I remember the towards the end of that Cutco the, the housewares business itself was really just about in-home sales, but there were some different innovations that were happening. Like this one young man had started to sell to companies and created a B2B division, which nobody had ever thought of, uh, or maybe they had and they didn't have the courage to do what, what John did. Um, John Ruland wrote this great book, Giftology, and he's, he's uh, someone I read his content, his, his thought leadership on that. But at the time, he was just selling gifts to businesses. And then someone's mom was a, a, an agent and ended up starting to sell gifts to real estate agents. So I was like seventh or eighth in at that point in the, the company of being able to start to sell closing gifts to real estate agents. And I did. I, I did really well at it. I just started to think about how to market. And I, I basically owned the Bay Area and started to sell to different agents that were branding gifts. So if you gave a knife, some people didn't want to give knives. So you would give, you know, a pie slicer or a uh, engraved bottle. It was all the same to me. It was just finding solutions for people to brand themselves in people's homes and it made a, a great gift. 
Nice. I actually heard of uh, even some of our agents use uh, Kikos as gifting to their clients, and that's great to hear. And you know, that's something that lasts a lifetime too, whether it's knives or other products. You know. Yeah, that's so, like, really what's interesting about it is it is actually a product that's as good as people say it is, and that's something that's a collectible these days. And they have a great guarantee. So when something goes wrong, they fix it, which is also special. Nice. I gotta check into that. So then, how did how do you become a top sales you know leader, sales trainer, and like how did what helped you get to there get there? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Well, in the space of needing to grow, a lot of it was I never had mentorship in the area of personal development. So I didn't have a strong scaffolding in how to create success for myself. I didn't have a duplicatable philosophy about how to approach my day. I didn't have morning rituals. Um, I The solution for me was to participate. And so the culture there was really inclusive. They gave a lot of people a shot. I didn't know it at the time, but most people that start with Cutco really don't last very long at all. It's really much more recruiting business than the sales success business. Mm -hmm. But I was the exception. And so I was number two rep my first summer and just really liked the recognition. I'd, I'd never been given an opportunity to receive a certificate in front of people. I, I got really fired up to start to train and to teach. So I, I worked harder on other people than I did on myself. And I became um, self-aware and um, stop using excuses that maybe I would have used before about why things weren't working and started to internalize what it is that uh, I believe success is, which is finding significance in the things that you do. And um, I find a deep significance in helping other people succeed. So what kept me interested was a lot of times uh, the culture, um, you know, be, being a young guy, getting to sell and then, you know, being done with work at two o'clock when some friends that weren't in Cutco had to work till six or seven, but I could be at the beach in LA or at a pool. It was really attractive. Um, and it took personal commitment and grit because I would have to go ahead then and maybe leave that beach to go make phone calls. Back in the day before we had uh, caller ID, we would make phone calls and, and before social media and uh, we'd just go to the office and we'd, we'd use the office phone lines and we'd make phone calls and we would set appointments and then we would go sell. And I, I did that three or four times a week. So nice. that, that was just a repetition, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And I did that for years. It's hard though. I think a lot, like, even a lot of sales guys, sales agents, uh, real estate agents, you know, have a hard time, you know, creating that time timeline, time block, the, the mental state of, you know, you need to go out there, you need to help people, you need to train and educate yourself and keep moving on. And it is part of a numbers game, but it's also part of like, you know, learning and creating growth. So that way you can go out and help more people. Yeah. It's, tough. it's a tough industry. Sales is a tough industry for most people. Yeah. And if I, if I could summarize uh, 20, plus years and uh, probably 5,000 no sales along with 6,000 in-person in sales. Um, what I would say is the, mo the most important thing that I learned is that, which I learned a lot, but the most important thing I learned, I think, is to have a win-win attitude. And I, it's almost a cliche, but when I was a new salesperson, if I sold something, it felt like I'd done something wrong. And I, I, I literally was terrified of my clients. I wouldn't follow up with them because I thought like maybe I'd done something to them, meaning I had closed them. And I did, I was a great closer. I mean, I, I memorized every script and it worked. Uh, Zig Ziglar, Secrets of Closing the Sale. Mm. It, it was amazing and um, it was really different and satisfying to be able to have control and influence. Yeah, but yeah a lot of people read Zig Ziglar's books and it's actually you know really good and I think everyone needs to read that. It should be a part of everyone's you know books on their, on their desk. Yeah, Zig Ziglar was a life changer and uh, also reading it at different stages. I don't know that it works as well these days, but it's a time and a place and it was really wonderful.
Yeah, I think it provides a lot of value in time within the time in this place, and even today, just you know, something to think about, right? It makes you more aware of the situation that's going on. Um, and you mentioned that <clears throat> you mentioned that you know you did uh, you started learning more, you started practicing scripts, and you start getting used to dialogue. And it's not about selling uh, selling someone; it's about helping them and providing showing different kinds of value for different products and helping them say, hey, here's why a uh, Cutco brand is really a great product, great value. Here's what you can see in it, and learning the scripts just internally it within you so you feel more comfortable creating dialogue and having conversations with people same thing for real estate sales it's not yeah. about selling and closing a home it's about you know finding helping someone find the right home or sell the right the home at the right price at the right time for their goals and what they need and you know being out there losing every day it doesn't matter what you're doing is finding the people you who want to be helped by you and providing value to them so that way you can help them achieve their goal. It's not saying, hey, I just sold a million dollar house. Who cares about the million dollar house? I helped you close and get a new home. I helped you upgrade, downgrade, trade, whatever it is, just helping them. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, you're, you're a fantastic broker because you have these mindsets. And it, I always kind of struggle to figure out what to talk to about my daughter or with my daughter, you know, yeah. so 16 weeks old, she's not exactly a critical uh, person, but she it's hard to just feel fill time when you're not really clear on what it is to be a dad. And I start to talk about things. And I was telling her two days ago now, I was like, you know, it's really interesting about sales. So I, I realized I'm going to teach her a lot about sales in the next okay, year. Yeah. And uh, it's, I said, it's really interesting. It's about sales because when you need to sell, you won't. And when you don't need to sell, you'll sell more than you thought you would. And it's a, it's a fascinating paradox. Um, I'd, I'd make a great real estate agent and a great broker because the universal law of sales is the same, which is you can't want to, you can't really want to sell. You can want to do the things that lead to sales and the lead measure concept of providing value, having integrity, coming from a place of contribution, having gratitude, um, being curious, um, it, honoring your word, but having like a work ethic behind that. So you actually do the things you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do them. Internalizing things, not having excuses. Like these are universal laws of success. It doesn't matter what you do. You be a doctor, lawyer. Uh, any of these new industries that are emerging, if you don't honor your word, it, it, it doesn't really matter. And I, I teach my daughter and I tell her, you know, um, you're going to get to watch a lot of failure in your life if you think that you're going to sell. But if you want to contribute massive value, you'll never fail because you never have a no sale when you contribute massive value, even when the result is a no sale. Yep. It's not actually a failure because you didn't come to that with a transactional mindset. You came from a place of contribution. It's totally different. Exactly, and that is a huge just mindset in general. Like people start thinking that way, they get they get more successful because they realize there is no there is a no to a no. It just you moving forward, providing value, being there, and being at a certain time. And they might not be ready today. They might not be ready in a year or three years. But they'll remember you for your value, and they'll come back to you. Say, hey, I actually appreciate what you just mentioned. You talked to me years ago. Even I had some of my clients. They talked to them for fifteen minutes. Years later, they'll come back. I remember having our conversation. It was so great. I actually yeah. saved information. I called you back a year later to to then on buy one million dollars, ten million dollars, and go on. You know, and like yeah. Wow. You know, people buy your energy before they buy your product or your service. And I, I never got that. I had a great mentor, uh, Adam Sobieski. He's um, just the best in the Cutco world ever. And I got a chance to coach underneath him for um, a really long time. And he taught me a lot about the ideas that you're talking about here. And just um, it's not it's not a transaction. It's really just an energy. And then if you get in front of people, in my case, in Cutco with the realtor closing gifts, you put out a certain level, and this is very metaphysical, and you don't need to agree with it in as much anybody that's watching this. It just exists. It's it's up to you to decide how to interpret it. But if you come into a meeting in a positive attitude with a big smile on your face, you had a great morning or a great day, 
it reflects upon you and the people that are in that space working on themselves. They speak that language. They're going to hear that differently than someone who doesn't. So if you come in and function at a low energy, maybe you're having a hard time right now and it's appropriate to be low, but it's not okay to be, it's not okay to give up. Right. And so you figure out how to go ahead and build your business, build your life. You build it from a place of, I'm going to provide for someone and you will get way more than you need right now. And um, people buy that. They feel that before they ever listen to what your words are. Yeah, they feel the energy, the vibe that you give off. I'm sure you know a lot of people see your vibe and how you help and share and provide back to community. Let's jump into it. You know, you started uh, Real Producer Silicon Valley and as far as San Mateo County, Santa Clara County, and just Silicon Valley in general. Like, can you tell us more about what's Real Producer and how, what are you doing there? Yeah, so I, um, just a step right before that moment that I became a Real Producer owner, I was a vendor who was selling Cutco closing, closing gifts. And I really enjoyed that. But what I learned is it was like a, a, it was a big year. Every year was a lot to commit. I would have one of the best years in the company, but it was 150 or 200 dates that I would commit to. And the way I marketed was at sales meetings or marketing meetings, golf tournaments, expos. I traveled regionally and nationally. I, I worked a lot and there was some overhead there too. And um, one of the challenges that our very best people, so of the 20 or 30 people that were the best in the US in the Cutco space, we all had the same challenge, which was the very best real estate agents, in essence, the very best prospects weren't actually in the traditional type, uh, they weren't in the traditional meetings, they weren't in the traditional pipeline that we were given access to as vendors. So I, I mean, I have a lot of respect for the different associations of realtors, they're doing their best, but frankly, they're a business and their business is to take on every real estate agent and to have them pay their dues. And that is fine. That's a particular reason to go ahead and be in a real estate association because you get support. But if you're a vendor, you cannot treat every real estate agent the same. The real estate agents that are doing most of the business, the business owners like Matthew that are running great agents, great people themselves, they are a very small elite group, uh, what we call the real producers. And they're capable of producing literally in some markets over 50 to 80% of the entire volume is done by a group of like 300 to 500 real estate agents or between like 3% and 10% of every single real estate agent. So I'd done that. I went from like a residential, what we call residential cutco sales for about 10 years of in-home demos to seven years of working in the traditional pipeline. And I wasn't going to do it again. I, uh, I called it being on tour. I had a lot of residual income because I was getting reorders. So it wasn't like it was a total failure. Agents are agents. They're great people. Um, but a lot of real estate agents should not be in the business. Threshold too low. They don't work like professionals and they show up to all the meetings and they just want the Costco muffins. Yeah. So what we figured out, my buddy Remington Ramsey in Indianapolis, and you can Google real producers, Indianapolis, Indy, and he's out there and he founded this idea. So the, the very concise version of the story is instead of suffering for another year, going and doing 150 dates and trying to meet the wrong agents, he started to throw parties where the right agents were the only people invited. And they started to go really well. And he was still selling Cutco gifts. So he started to make some good money and he would have sponsors. So other vendors that saw the value of working with those top agents, they participated. And it went really well. And by coincidence, he had a friend who's a magazine publisher. And this magazine publisher, the owners, used to be Cutco district managers. Like 15 <laughs> years ago, we're talking about. So Real Producers has been around, I think, five or six years. So it's all very serendipitous that my buddy Remington decides to go ahead and make a magazine about the real estate agents that are attending his events. And that the people that are making that decision are actually Cutco people that are, you know, have a similar shared history. 
And so uh, my buddy Remington had a year and he succeeded that year. So they let him roll that out to four or five other markets. These are all friends of mine that were given that shot too. So I've worked with Remington at a national expo. So I knew Remington, um, DC Metro with Colleen, excuse me, with um, Kristen Brindley, Baltimore with Colleen, Orlando with Aaron Luden. Uh, there's a Texas branch and all of these branches and it slowly blossomed and we're in over a hundred markets now. So I was like the 32nd or 33rd person. And then I started a second market because San Mateo County and Santa Clara County are so closely tied together. So the vision, or, or if I had anything to pitch on this, it's simply that if you're a vendor and you value long-term relationships with the top real estate agents, I can help. And um, it's unlike any other magazine you've ever seen. And it's something that we have the attention of brokers and, and real estate agents like Matt and his team. Nice. Yeah, that actually is really serendipitous and, you know, being part of those different segments and all put together back together. And, you know, yeah, you mentioned you work with a lot of great partners. And actually, when I look at it, you have a lot of great people who are partners with you guys and, you know, definitely help um, in this space, work with a lot of top producers out there. I see, you know, Eric Campus is there, Encore Staging is there. Uh, many of our friends are a part of it. And I'm glad they're supporting you, supporting reproducers and just supporting the industry as a whole and, you know, working with top producers who are providing a lot of value and, you know, constantly doing good business and helping the community and like you said uh you know more than uh just a few percentages do more than eight percent of the business in real estate and you know being with that network of people and sh being like mine sharing um i see you're doing a lot of mastermind events a lot of social events and a lot providing a lot of value back to our community so you know we thank you for that because it's actually really important that you know the value you're providing helps everyone grow together yeah, there's um, thank you, Matt. And it's um, I'll make a distinction because there's a certain residue from some businesses previously, which is a magazine used to be a way to pay. So an agent would be asked to pay to participate and they might pay five thousand dollars and they'd be on the cover of a fabricated publication that wasn't particularly local or good. And they would receive so many copies of that and they could use that in their own marketing. We don't sell real estate agents anything, which is probably the reason I was able to access so many great people early on. And I already had relationships with a lot of the owners and managers. So I just let them know I wanted to write a story about them and their teams. And they were very kind to share that with me. For the vendors, if you're a good vendor, it's you suffer. If you're a good vendor, you suffer because unless you're very connected already somehow, or you explosively, like you just create this amazing growth quickly, you may, may be out there getting all the wrong leads for years like I was. So I, I came to this business thinking that I was going to be the panacea for vendors. I was very committed to the idea that I was going to solve all the problems for all the vendors that were out there. And I would have a hundred people working with me right away. And even within the vendor space, not surprisingly, I guess, but I was naive, even within the vendor space, there's a very large pool of people to choose from. We only work with agents, vendors that are already working with those top agents. So we get referred to a vendor, we vet the vendor, they already work with an agent, so they're 90% of the way there anyways, because we know that they're a good person and the agent likes them and the agent's done all the hard work. But the reason real producer vendors are so important, and if, if you're any kind of an agent, you can use our vendors, they're just business owners, any level. But what we've done is we've sourced out the very best vendors for you. And when you're in a transaction, whether or not it's one a year, one a month, one a week, and some of the agents I work with that are our stories are one a week, we need to be able to make sure that the vendors you work with represent you well when you're out there. And that's the number one challenge I have in my own business is who do you align with and how do you trust them? And uh, for us, when we ask a vendor to go ahead and work with us, they wanna be meeting top agents, they think long-term. 
And that's really a mindset that goes well in any business. The agents have it, an abundant mindset. I've, I've interviewed 200 plus of them. It's all the same. I mean, they're all very unique, but it's all the same. The mindset is come from a place of contribution, work really hard, do it with a big why, all those things that matter. And vendors are the same way. And a good vendor is a good fit for us. We just need to, I was surprised at how hard it is to find someone that's working that's not transactional. And the same deficit in vendor world is the same deficit in real estate world, which is most vendors are not very good at their job. They're not particularly committed to long-term effort. They don't treat their clients right. They don't have integrity. And I'm talking to a lot of you, you know it. But then there's this small group of people and we talk about Aerial Canvas all the time. They're a fantastic example. They're so generous. They're our back page advertiser in two markets. And I mean, there's dozens of examples now, but it took me years to find the 50 that I can talk about proudly and say, these are like me, these are my peers. These are the people that do what they say they're gonna do and you should use them. So I can help get that list to those people. Yeah, that vendor list is actually really great because you're right. You know, like in real estate or any space, you need really good support. I mean, the team consists of you know third-party vendors who are actually a part of your team. You know, you need photographers like Aero Canvas. You need stagers like Encore Staging. You need every single line of uh, people to help you because that will create success. Without a strong team, it's hard to do business regardless because if you can't you know help us uh, efficiently help someone from you know uh, getting a listing to closing and go through the process and provide great vendors to help them then it's going to be tough for your business because they represent you and without a good representation it just doesn't you know shine well upon you and your services you provide as an agent right yeah and so if you're watching this i'm sure you could post it somewhere but digipub d-i-g-a pub um it's a very great, we just launched an app. So you, you can get our magazine for free. Anyone can get it anywhere in the world and you can use our vendors that way. So that's something we're doing for our vendors. Uh, it's on any of the major platforms to get apps. And then um, from there, you can actually get every magazine in the US. So if you ever wanted to move somewhere, you can see the realtors there too. So it's a great way to go ahead and learn about the top agents all over the world. What's that website again? Uh, so it's actually not a website, it's a, it's an app. So it's D-I-D-A, pub, Digia pub. Okay. And, um, yeah, it's like Google Play, Apple Store. Good night. Digital Hub, D-I-G-A Hub. Yeah. Okay, uh, cool. Pub, P as in Paul, U, B as in boy. Yeah. Okay, Digital Pub. Okay. Um, so the, the goal is to create quality content. So we keep, and actually, I'll tell you honestly, like, uh, I was just saying the other day, I probably shouldn't have this conversation with the founders of M2, the, the parent company that's got a thousand markets, but here, here it goes. Um, I don't ever want to do a live event again. What we've learned in the last five months, four months, is that it's not necessary. In fact, it's way better to not get distracted by a live event and just make introductions one-on-one. -on -one. It's scalable that way. It does. We we threw a hundred thousand dollar party. Our launch party was a hundred thousand dollars. Wow! Yeah. It was sponsored, but if you look at the out, like the the kind of retail cost of what we did, well over a hundred thousand, and. Um, that was a lot of stress. We also had 250 people and it really launched us and we had a dozen plus live events and I'm happy that that was a phase in my life. I, I never threw a birthday party for myself before I ever threw a live event for these people and they showed up. They were really extraordinary events and I'm really proud of that. But going forward, you know, we're not an events company. We're a publication. We tell stories of top real estate agents and the vendors that are in there and then we just make introductions. And people ask me all the time, what's the ROI? Why should I spend a thousand bucks a month on real producers? Well, that's how you're thinking you shouldn't. It's not like that. But if you build a relationship and you're here and you want to be here in five years, like if your business is going to be here in five years, I can help you. Um, if you think you're going to go bankrupt, I can help you. Like the whole point is that you need to get involved in this business and you need to meet the clients that you're supposed to be meeting. And that takes an investment. And if you're not ready to invest, that's why you're trying to not invest. Like you've made a mistake. You've made a critical error, which is don't invest in relationships. And that's why you're not able to afford to invest. And I can help. And so that's a big distinction to consider is how do you get involved in something 
that really is long-term because the agents that are doing well, they're going to survive any market. Um, we may all lose a bunch of money. We may all make a bunch of money. It's, it's irrelevant. The agents that have invested 5, 10, 15, 25, 40 years in this, they're not going anywhere. They might make less, but they're going to do it more effectively and then they'll make more. We're just there. You're an entrepreneur, Matt. You're going to do well at anything you do. You climbed the real estate ladder. That's fantastic, but you'll do well at anything. And that's a relationship you want. And I'll never give up real producers because of that. Mm -hmm. I love the access and I love the influence and I love being able to pick up the phone and people take my call. And that's how we leverage what we do now with these virtual events and these introductions, because it's just easy for me to make an introduction and people then get to connect. I think that's, yeah, I think that you just uh, provide a lot of good value there. So you mentioned like, for example, you know, going from a physical event to a virtual event and yeah. what you did and how people are spending, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to do a physical event and the ROI on that and the relationships there, that time goes by so fast, so quickly, and you're doing so much uh, things just for an event. But when you take it to a virtual space, you can do the same exact concept, provide the same exact values, and then you can do it through video, like like this video we're having now. Mm -hmm. This conversation is just not one-on-one, -on -one, it's one-to-many, and this can be play replayed forever. But yeah. Physical event, you're there for that one minute. You're probably talking to hundreds of people if, if you're trying to do, you know, create really good relationships. But it goes away in a second. You can't replay that, and you know, reconnect as easily. But when you go to the, the virtual space and and do these events, you can hold big, massive events. You can have thousands, and you can do breakout sessions, and you can have different speakers throughout the day, and you can now uh, target globally because the fact is everyone doesn't need to fly there they don't know hotel space they don't have to worry about you know shelter in place they don't have to worry about corona they can just have conversations with you and they can be on their time yeah and that's a good thing did you see um even our company uh, exp and verbella they uh, another company like um a music company did an event and they had six thousand people in the virtual world playing event concert and they sold tickets they sold six thousand tickets wow. and everyone got there and then they enjoyed the music concert from all the you know people all the musicians, right? I love that. Yeah. Um, so we did 15 live events over the course of about 18 months. So we, we launched, but then we went, we went and kind of built some good credibility or momentum, whatever you want to call it. I didn't want to throw a big party where nobody showed up. So we had about six months of the magazine out there and me continuing to build relationships. And we had about 15 live events. We had, I think our smallest event was like 80 people and our biggest was 250. And they were all like around 100 or more. Um, classes and, and and ultimately those parties that looked like, I mean, you can go to my Facebook page. It was crazy. I can't believe the kind of house. We had a $30 million estate. Thank you, Michael Nevis and Rick Artizoni. And Joe Blasco gave us more a house, which I, I think is still uh, maybe available. Um, there were some amazing opportunities to talk about the, it's like a wedding. You're there. If you've ever been married, you, you, you it's a three hour event, five hour event, an all day event, but it's over in the blink of an eye. Um, we did four, we did 12 events in the month of April and it cost me $15 and 99 cents. And that was the cost of the zoom room for the month for professional. And, um, what I really like about events in the virtual space is that the content exists afterwards. So from a content creation standpoint, like we're using Lumen five this month for the first time, we're going to create videos out of our written content. Nice. Um, we're turning around and making a lot of these events We're like, we just did a mom splaining event. We had a mother's day event with uh, five or six agents there and we were, we're cutting up some of that content and we're making it presented by the real producer partners. And we're just having fun with the idea that we don't need to be complicated. And actually Matt, um, I, the, the, so I try and live eliminate stress. Yeah. Uh, we all try and do it, but maybe I do it more. I don't know. I think I'm better now than I've ever been about identifying what it is and then just trying to eliminate it. And the stress for me for an event is always the promotion. 
So it's incredibly challenging to promote an event, a live event or a virtual one. You just spend a lot of time energy out. I mean, there's probably a funnel and there's probably a right way to do it. But at the end of the day, you still have to pick a date and drive attendance. And that takes a lot of energy. I actually really like virtual events because you don't need to drive attendance. You need five or six people there. Like a mini mastermind could be like four of our partners and four agents. And they're just talking about anything. They could be talking about mortgage rates. They could be talking about cleanliness on listings, virtual staging, like whatever it is, insurance. And then we can take that eight person event, which took no energy for me to put together, and we can push it out to all of the agents in the entire world. And that attendance of that event is extraordinary. And that's way easier after a live event. I love live to tape events, I guess is what I'm trying to spit out. That's really my favorite type of event these days, which is impossible in person. Yeah. And that's exactly what you just said is exactly the, one of the reasons that I love it too. Like, you know, being in the tech world for over 15 years and, you know, training thousands of engineers across the world, it didn't matter where physically they were because I never saw them. I, I never had access to see them, but I can help them. I can help everyone in the world with cybersecurity, right? And being able to do that in real estate, you're able to provide a lot of value, a lot of education. You're able to create events where everyone can just, you know, those six, eight people can we share this to all the agents in the network and it's replayable forever. You can save it. You can cut it up every single way you want and have a library full of information, create your own search engine. And then people can go back in time, look at, you know, uh, past progression, but also information you provided that is retained. Because when we go to a live event, I, I'm here, I'm listening, I'm there for a couple of hours. I flew there, whatever. And then I, I go home and I forget about it. Right. I can't replay it as yeah. easily. Yeah. The, the live events, I mean, there was a time and a place. I feel saddened that Juliet maybe will never experience a live event the way that I got to. I hope that those exist again for her sake, but not for mine. I went to plenty, sales and non-sales and traveling the world when I got to do that and all these great things that I was able to do. I'm, I'm satisfied in that space and I'm excited about this space because as an introvert, an introvert that's on a live show right now because that's fine for me now, uh, but as an introvert, I'm comfortable sitting at home. I'm comfortable talking about the way to do things. I love systems. I get fired up when I talk to you because I'm always learning something about how to expedite something or think more clearly about what I'm doing. And then I'm able to execute on that and it's easier because it's less complicated. Um, and it is mindset, like we can go back to that because it's not like it's better now, it's different and different is good enough and doing really well at different is really what's exciting. That's the new challenge is the, is the world slipped and some people came in with a skill set that they were able to leverage right now. Some people may not feel like they have that skill, but it's available and it's probably free right now based on how much information is out there. So you can, it's no excuse. And so it's just, it's fun to thrive and it's fun to be able to see that this is a whole new phase where we can figure things out. I think right now, yeah, it's definitely a new challenge for, for most people out there. Actually, I thrive in this just challenge. I love it. I love, um, you know, I'm an introvert myself too. And being on air is completely different to me and just practicing and getting used to it. But the challenge is, you know, being at home, how can you, you run your business and how do you make it successful? How do you help your clients and how do you help your agents and how do you train and educate them? Especially some agents, you know, they're not from tech backgrounds like I am. Uh, they're not comfortable with it, but how do we teach them? Like for me, what I'm doing is I created a, a website called Avant University. And right now I'm writing 195 courses right now on everything we can do in real estate, marketing, sales, and tech. And I bro actually broke it down because in cybersecurity, I wrote like hundreds of articles on white papers on how to do everything from the basic to a 20 page longs of all system setups, configurations, the more advanced stuff. 
But in real estate, I'm actually breaking down all the simple steps. Like everything you can think about real estate, I'm putting it all into courses, some free, some paid, but then the value you get from it is retained. And when you add pictures, written context, step-by-step instructions, and video, it makes it so much easier for agents to quickly onboard, quickly learn and grow and build that sales mindset and help more people. But it's not easy for most people to, you know, kind of like jump into being in tech and being an agent and using all the applications. I got to disagree, man. I I think you're right in everything you said, but I got to disagree. It is super easy. I'm a knife salesman. Mm -hmm. Like there's no reason. There's no excuse. It's all almost, it's almost free right now. Yeah. It's, it's just like, it's there. So you, you have a very unique background. So your, your background brings strengths to this and I, I can see how you leverage them. I actually, I think. I'm not supposed to play favorites, but I'll tell you that I think EXP hit the lottery because they're a virtual business that needs to now work virtually for everyone else. They maybe have to do a little catch up. Um, you guys have basically built the infrastructure and the proof of concept already. So that's that's really exciting. I bought a Zoom account. I have a Vimeo account. I don't even know if it's right. We should probably talk offline about all the mistakes I'm making, but I'm making a mistake. Of, I'm not making one mistake, which is I'm picking something, I'm doing it, I'm learning from it, and I'm just moving forward. And whatever it is, like, um, so I'll tell you, uh, brief story, because it kind of is the next phase of the story, which is in January, we lost, I should say, we run an advertising business. That was the main portion of the revenue for real producers is it's a magazine and people pay for agreements. And if that business goes out and they're no longer able to make their bills work out or they panic, which a lot of businesses do, you know, we tried, people jumped into the ocean, we were all in the ocean and some of us figured out how to swim and get onto a boat and others just decided to panic and stay in the ocean. And the reality is, is like, we're on a boat now and we're heading a particular direction. But for people in January and February, a lot of people didn't make that. And it's a sad, uh, both literally and, and and figuratively, it's a, it's a really saddening time for that. And it's hard though, but it's, it's good to make things better based on what you've learned that maybe wouldn't work. So I panicked. And I mourned um, Susan Fixen, who's one of the, the cover stories for a real producer, Silicon Valley. She said on a call, um, we were on an event together. She talked about the stages of mourning. And I think we're on like the third week after everything shut down. And it was a stage of mourning. We, week after week, we were going through and evolving. And at a point, I have a coach. I have a personal um, success coach, Christina Gradius with Southwestern Consulting. And they're fantastic. And she just basically caught me at a moment. And I, and I fought her on, I was trying to take the path of, failure and she was trying to take the path of success and bring me along with her and um, she she coached me up a little bit in a moment when I needed it most and then I moved forward and trying to sell a lot of ads during the month of February and March was not the most ideal situation um, certainly people were home and taking calls and I was doing a lot of work but it wasn't working out and in April I had the biggest sales month of my real producers career so what changed well, I think some people got back into the state where they're like, well, how do we move forward? And maybe I was a little bit early on that. Now, the backstory of all that is I started a PPE company because I saw that I was not going to sit around in January, February, March, April and act like a victim. I was going to fight. I was going to swim, right? I was I was pulling people into the boat and I was going to swim and I was going to fight. So we created this business that was opportunistic. We're not price gouging. We're not unfair, but we have now recruited over 50 sales representatives from all over the United States and we're selling multi-million dollar deals. I will make more money this year than I would have in any other scenario in my life. And that's because I was in a position where I chose to fight. And so wherever you are, if there's something to be motivated by right now. It's, it's that a knife salesman figured out how to go ahead and find a path. I'm sure you can too. It's not it's, it's about choosing, right? So choosing something and going out and doing something with your life that brings you significance. 
it is about choosing. I think it's you know like a lot of people out there, you, you can choose to dig a, a dig a hole and hide, and you can choose to just wait and let things pass you by. But then those people who get down and dirty, dig deep, and find a way to get through this and find opportunities to get out of it and bring the you know like you said, have a boat, bring along all the best people with you and the people who are motivated to go and push each other to go and being in the right mental mind state and having the motivation with other successful people who push each other will create you know people who make them thrive and get to where we want to be and come out of this strong uh for me like when i see for exp that you know i looked at all the other brokerages out there and they're behind in tech and just knowledge and like i want to be a future with netflix and everyone else disney netflix all the online spaces amazon you see facebook they're all killing it right now and even if we're in a tough time you know we still have to look at the future and for our families like how do we be successful and how do we come out of this strong and be with the right players who are there to help grow and i was just looking at the past couple of days the stocks are going up like this i'm like i'm, I'm glad i'm along with the ride and bringing my whole team with me the people who trusted me for my knowledge and you know what we're looking forward to do it made sense and they, they they're along with it now we're at 20 plus agents in the bay area and growing and I'm, I'm loving being able to help them and provide value to them and just you know see the changes but for those who are you know sitting back hiding waiting it's tough you need to you know be in the right mind state and find the right people who motivate you and push you to go further without that you're just going to sit there and taking the fear taking the challenges and you know lose um hopefully don't lose you don't want to lose your business and close down but you know yeah so i have so many things to say about what you said but i, I want to ask a question too i would love okay so first of all i'm going to say what i'm going to say so don't forget um do it with somebody like we all need an accountability partner right now a buddy a peer, a peer group like uh, matt obviously has an amazing value to offer and, and give him the opportunity to share that with you but more than that is and more than that is wherever you are, whatever you do, uh, the goal should be that you try and find people that have a similar mindset to you. And it, you don't need to find a bunch, find one or two, because right now, like the best time to have an emergency fund would have been like six months ago. <laughs> to try and start one right now isn't the best time, the best time to plant a tree 20 years ago, right? But we're here and you're gonna be here. So you can shut your business down and go to bankruptcy, but you're still gonna be here and you're gonna need a business. And so whatever it is, like moving decisively is really important. So that, that's what I, I have to say about that is, is find someone that you can use their wisdom, use. I mean, really like leverage them, like use them, be positive and contribute, but lean on them. Because what I've observed is if you didn't come into this, if you didn't come into 2020 with some mental tools, the, di the, the, the distance between the, the top kind of high level motivated person and the person who doesn't have the motivation right now never has been wider. They used to kind of get by with being able to be in the middle and not make choices, but right now you're being incredibly punished or you're being incredibly rewarded. And if you feel like you're being punished right now, that's a mindset issue and, and people like Matt or me can help. So Matt, tell yeah. me about the future of real estate, man. That was the one thing more than anything. You're my Oracle. I want to hear I want to hear about how technology changes things. I, I know we just picked up a, a virtual staging company, two cleaning companies. Like um, there's, there's, I, I mean, tell me about what business I should start. Like, what are you excited about? Yeah, definitely. I'm happy to share. So for me, what I see out there is the future of real estate for me is EXP. And one of the reasons is just not the company, it's what they provide, the service, the value. And, you know, being a forward thinker, being in tech space, I saw that and actually waited a year and a half to do this. And I, I didn't realize it at the time because I was not, I was busy, right? Um, yeah. But I saw that, hey, the, the world's changing. And it's 2020. Back in 2000, I was doing cybersecurity. We're already 10 years ahead of everyone in 
the you know normal consumer space, right? And this is so different. And I saw that for EXP, like the virtual world there, the virtual space, what it meant was just not a, it's not a software, it's not an avatar, it's not a game. What it is is just being able to provide uh, contribution, um, being able to communicate and communicate globally to all the agents out there and to be in the same, one company and to share that. We're not all independent franchises, we're one company. We're all online and we have physical spaces as Regis spaces as well. And you're able to communicate with agents in your local areas as well as globally. But what happened there is it instantly gave you full access to all these top producing agents, teams, independent brokerages who saw the future and decided to make a move. Like recently, last month, um, Revolution Real Estate, which had 900 agents in um, Arizona, they moved all 900 agents to EXP. They, they had an offer for $15 million. They declined a $15 million offer from another company and decided to move all 900 agents here. What he said about the, the owners, the husband and wife owners, is that this is the future. This is what's going to happen. And this doesn't just benefit me. I could have taken the $15 million and ran away, but I decided for my entire 900 people team that this is beneficial to everyone. And what happens is now they get access to more tech, more systems, more software, more coaching, more training. There's 50 plus hours of training a week, all virtually there. And it's trained by the top industry leaders. If you're in a normal physical space, a normal local office, how much training do you really get? And are you getting just normal plane training or are you getting the most advanced training from everyone around the world who has proven systems and processes and sold thousands of homes like one reason i drove i joined because brent gove he was number top two uh top two agents in california who mm -hmm. sells and he sold over what, six thousand homes without without any accounts and his team of 24 agents still do 100 million plus with 450 units and he's available every week to train you and help you and teach you and he's one of the top EXP guys with over 8,000, 9,000 people in EXP organization. Hey, Matt, but, we love to interview that guy for real producers if you want to you give yeah, him Yeah, I'm happy to. Yeah. I'm happy to. And even with his 8,000 people, he brought on some of the best leaders like um, Jay Kinder, number two coal banker agent in the world, in the world, right? And top Yeah, 10. I know the name. Why? Uh, so I think he's a, a Cutco Closing Gifts fan. I know my buddy Adam, who I, I dropped this name earlier, they're connected. And I think Jay used to put on events or does still yeah. put on these big events for yeah. uh, agents. Yeah. He did. And now he's doing everything online, too, because he really goes, hey, I'm right. probably the biggest spender of you know going to all the events in the world because I always spent my money in education and learning and going to all of them. I had the most um, lanyards here in my office. But... It, that's expensive as crazy as time consuming. Now I can just do everything online. I can go to all the virtual events. We just hosted um, EXP uh, just did a shareholder summit. And that shareholder summit, they said on average had 1,200 people per uh, per day on it and more. And then they're hitting like 5,000 people you know, at the events. Some of the rooms, actually the rooms were 1,200 people per room on average. And there were 75 training sessions in one week. It was jam-packed every single day. Scale is so sexy. It's yeah. so great. They <laughs> can't do that anywhere else right now. Like all these physical spaces, they can't do that. And even if you look at Verbella, the other third-party company that uh, EXP owns, they're working with all the universities right now. They're working with military. They're working with other big companies like Amazon, and they're doing all these training sessions inside of it. Even Stanford's using it too for doctors, and they're doing you know they're having all their education, talking about you know surgeries and things like that in the space, showing the screens, you know, discuss discussing it with people other doctors around the world you can't do that locally here and see everything as easily 
and record. So is, will you explain the technology to me? Because I'm, I'm, I'm very, I just used a, let's see. So I, I'm a Zoom guy who then yeah. just like find, it's like being a Google guy and then not using Yahoo. It's ridiculous. But I, I'm trying to figure out like what all the tools are. So what, what, is, what is that service like? What so that? for me, like I use Zoom too and I have Zoom rooms and I pay for a pro account. But what I find and even people are talking about Zoom right now is like you do get Zoom fatigue. Zoom fatigue is when you're on camera all day and you're having to pay attention and having to talk, stare. Even if I'm just listening, people are still seeing me interactive with the screen. If I shut my screen off, then I'm like, okay, you know, what, what are they doing? Are they actually listening or not? But in Verbella, you know, it's like it's like um, games out there, and you can be in the space. You are you're an avatar. You're there, but and the, you can design yourself to look is almost like you. And you can go to meetings, but you don't. You can be on mute. You can listen to the conversation. You don't have to interact. You don't have to have your camera, you know, showing your face. And you can be a part of the conversation. So you feel less stress because the stress is not on you physically being ready, being dressed. You're just having conversations now. And the rooms, like some of the rooms we have, like twelve hundred people are sitting there. I'm not going to see twelve hundred people in a Zoom room. If you do, that Zoom price is super expensive to hold 1200 people at the same time and when you're doing this across 75 rooms or you know so a day it gets you know intense and you get tired of being on zoom what happens if you have kids in the room are you on mute are you, it, your screen going yeah. so you can't zoom everything forever so we actually like using both we use zoom for our events uh physical events where you're seeing face to face but we use exp verbella uh just to be there to be educated every day to learn um from others and to just share and so <laughs> verbella not not to be too uh yeah uh, so is that technology like, could I use that technology for an event or is it owned exclusively by eXp? Uh, no, you can use the technology for yourself and for your events. A lot of companies are actually, right now, especially today, they're they're looking at uh, third-party products like Verbella, uh, a platform so that you can host uh, public events, private events. You can have a, a virtual office, a virtual campus, yeah. and you can grow. You can scale it as much as, as you need. So, so Matt, you and me, how would you use this for real producers and getting 500 agents to participate with each other and really build a community where it was like a real, like, because now there's no reason to travel anywhere. How do we pile yeah. that together? So we can do this. Imagine there's two different options. Let's say you were comparing Zoom versus Verbella, right? Zoom, you would create a Zoom room, you create uh, breakout rooms, and you set up events. But it's hard for people to jump around in rooms and come in and out, and it's kind of disrupting, right? And it's tiring, too, because you're physically all being ready. But if you were to be in a virtual world, what happens is you can create virtual event. Your virtual event could be one main campus, one auditorium, or you could say, hey, I'm gonna have auditorium plus five breakout rooms. And you can have your schedules on the, the big screens and say, hey, right now the auditorium is gonna be uh, like a real physical event. Um, here's the auditorium, and then here's all the breakout rooms and the timing. You can jump around any room you want, listen to it, and find what's valuable to you as a salesperson, as a marketing person, as an operator, and be a part of it and easily to walk around. You can even communicate with randomly with people. In Zoom, you cannot randomly communicate. No. So, wow, that's really interesting. So spell it for me so I make sure I get it right. V-I-R-B-E-L-A. Okay. And so do you find... Um, I always love talking to you, man. You get so much, so much value. So do you, so the thought that I had was having like office hours. I mean, this is all yeah. locked and everything. So people can take these ideas. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But yeah, like what if you had like office hours where agents that were top real producer agents could just pop in for like an hour a day and just communicate with whoever was in the room. Like you could just have a conversation and communicate and build value with people. Maybe have a conversation topic each day, but just like a hang. 
Yeah, so you can. You can have an office, a virtual office, and people can just log in and come into your room. They see your doors open. They can talk to you. That's easy. But on Zoom, how would you do that? I don't know your access. I don't know the login, and I don't know when you're available. But if I saw your doors open, I can log in and just say hi. And we do that all the time. Like We talk to all the brokers in any state. I can walk into any office, see who's available, talk to five different brokers in California, and two are usually available. Three are busy with someone else. That's fine, right? But in Zoom, I can't do that. In um, other platforms, I can't do that. If I want to message you on like Slack, Workplace Chat, Facebook, I don't know if you're busy or not, but so, here I can see. I love that you're letting me cut you off. Thank you. I'm excitedly rude. Um, so tell me, like, so it, uh, so the old mindset was if you weren't home to take a phone call, you didn't get it. And then we invented answering machines, and then pagers, and then cell phones, and then Google Voice, or that concept of having like a daisy chain of people that can be wrong. So if there's an urgent need, and you have 10 business partners, and somebody needs to get the phone call, but partners number one through seven aren't available, and partner number eight picks up, it's hard, but it's possible that that's easy to do. Like, it's the reason it's hard is because it feels ineffective. Yeah, it does. You could have basically you could teach a team of 10 people to go ahead and have their door open when their doors open and you could have your team of 500 salespeople just pop in and it doesn't need to be a daisy chain phone call. You could have like vendors that could come and pop in. You could have your team come and pop in like you can basically host open office hours 24 seven in just this environment you're talking about. Yep, you can. And exactly. And you can leave, for example, you have each person can have individual office or you have shared offices, shared hotel spaces, just like a physical uh, place. And you can leave notes there, uh, contact information and how to reach out to you when you're busy. Uh, your door is open, your door is closed, but I can walk in, I can take a look and see all 10 people in their room if their doors open or closed. And they even have a sign, like your name can have a sign there that says you're busy right now. And then that way I can just see who's available and directly just walk to them. Wow. It's so much easier. It's so much easier. I love how your mind works and I can see why you love working with the XP. There's definitely an opportunity. I think they probably have a lot to learn from you too. <laughs> yeah, for sure, no. yeah. I actually wrote two courses for them and That's funny, right. like um, my course was, for example, onboarding made easy was just like 20, uh, 10 pages of how to onboard. But my other one was um, actually 60 pages long and it took four months to write it. But basically what happens is fast start training, how to onboard, be successful, fast start. And I, I think I'm one of the only ones who got it approved by marketing, legal, bro California brokers, and everyone in the EXP company to publish it. Matt, you should, re I don't know if you've already thought this, but your value to real estate is undeniable, but your value to entrepreneurs who might want to also work with you as a real estate agent or your people is definitely scalable beyond just real estate. Do these courses, because we're about to onboard 50 sales reps really yeah. over the next two weeks. Like, is that a scalable business for my business? Yeah. Uh, if you look at it, go to, if you go to Auburn University and take a look at the free course and just the way I wrote it, and this can be written in any format for anyone, but the concepts are the same. Yeah. It talks about like how to, I think the number one challenge for real estate agents, sales companies is how to onboard people successfully. How do you go fully from, you know, start to finish set up in uh, one week, in one day, get all the systems up and running? How do you get each system up and running? So we actually tie everything in uh, for our teams. It's like, here's onboarding, here's how you join, but joining doesn't mean nothing. Here's how you get your first system, second system, third system. Here's every step-by-step -step configuration for that system. And here's how you go. So Matt, I know we're almost out of time, but I, I have a lightning round question. Thank you for letting me interview you. This is my yeah, story. So uh, I always learn so much with you. So um, let's let's play a let's play a game. Let's play a we just founded a company together game. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we just we just did, and now we have a company, and we're gonna create a sales organization, and we need to take people from hired, all the way through to trained. 
Yep. And it, it's a fairly finite amount of information. It's not like real estate. Well, even real estate's fairly finite, but it's just a lot. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. Yeah. So let's just say that we're going to teach people how to sell apples, oranges, and bananas. Like it's just a very finite, very easy product to explain. Like what tech would you use in the next 30 days or, you know, maybe roll it out 60 days, one year, like how would you, what would you do based on what your beautiful brain knows? Like how would you help somebody get technology in place to teach a group of people all over the U S or all over the world, how to sell bananas, oranges, and apples? Okay, perfect. So for me, if I was, when we open a company together, what I'm going to do is first thing I do is start up G Suite. G Suite will be the onboarding domain hub. And the main hub is, for example, your domain name, Google domains, it'd be for your email. So you're, you know, Matt and uh, Matt and Mitch.com, for example, right? That'd be the domain name. And you have every single uh, employee in there have a name that goes to your domain name. So now you start building your website. Your website will function with, um, for example, a WordPress site uh, using you know a server to do that and get it up and running quickly. The next thing you wanna do is start using Google Drive as one way to solve the problem of how do you have all your files in the cloud? Put everything in Google Drive, right? Uh, that's one way. I don't use Dropbox, I don't use Box, I use Google Drive, right? Next thing is how do I train all the agents and get them onboarded? So to get them onboarded, you know, you got to start having knowledge-based articles, knowledge-based center systems, processes, step-by-step, repeatable, uh, and easily make it delegatable so that your assistant, when you get assistant, can help you do this work so you don't have to onboard everyone. I use Teachable for our online courses, and every agent who joins us is free for them, right? And they can go on. But in the Teachable courses, what we do is write out every single step-by-step with picture. That takes a lot of time. If you want to scale it faster, just do quick videos. So do a video. Hey, here's the first day on onboarding. Here's exactly what you need to do. But the problem with video is that I have to keep pausing the video to listen, to follow the instructions to do it. So the real rule is write it, show screenshot pictures, and do video. So you have all three methods of people to learn. Um, the fastest way people scale it, just do video everything. And But you know, majority, they won't watch a full video. They won't watch five minute, 10 minute, one hour videos. But the information is jam packed in there if they do and the people who do will succeed faster and then you can have sales training courses so hey here's how you sell apple banana oranges uh, talk about all the benefits of selling apples all the pros and cons and have scripts dialogues everything all in one place the reason you're doing it is for scalability by making what you do every day scalable it's so much easier to grow because i think the problem with agents with the problem with salespeople is we keep manually doing things over and over and over. We keep using our energy every day to repeat ourselves. Why not think bigger, think globally? How do I do what I'm doing today and make it impactful for everyone out there? So now what I do is anytime any of my agents ask me a question, I'm like, can I make a video out of this? I'm just gonna make a video, share the video. Everyone gets access. I'll put it in a library and there you go. So that video, you cut it up or do you just go one take usually? Uh, so usually depending on the content, I usually leave it as one video and I will start to cut up later. So if you're talking about time, sensitivity and creativity, just doc- document everything, put it in one video, show it there. When you have time, when you have money, pay someone to cut it all up for you based on what you need. And because if you don't have time to cut it yourself, I cut my own videos myself. I use Final Cut Pro to cut everything up, edit it, audio, overlay everything and upload it to YouTube and Facebook. Right. But most people don't have that or they don't know how to do that. So, so that's part of the scaling a system quickly. Um, God, there's so much. Okay, so this is why they shouldn't be an hour. They need to be two hours. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so, la, la, uh, so you you're probably, this week anyway, so you're going to be on with me, and you're going to actually get to interview me next week. Yes, thank you. So that kind of, maybe we'll do half and half next week like this week turned into. So yeah. I, um, 
you, we probably have a hard out. So why don't we continue the conversation next week? Um, I give you one more, one more lightning question. Go ahead. Uh, so, well, I want to continue the, tell me a little bit more about the tech that you would use to bring things through. So you now have a team, you, you, for example, like when you shoot a video or using your iPhone, what's your setup there? So for me, uh, my setup is completely different. I should show you my whole system. Yeah. I, built, I built it. It's not like most people, it, you know, I have like my 37 inch monitor. I have my Sony a7R right here. For example, I have my screen here. I have my, um, my microphone. This is a professional microphone. Yeah. I have my lighting right here above me if I want to light, light me up for nighttime. Oh, I got to see. If you need to give me a list. Give me an Amazon link. I'm buying some. Yeah, uh, yeah I, have, I have hardware too. So I have routing tools and hardware. So I can give you a list of it. It does add up. It can add up, right? But my hardware accelerator for my uh, microphone. Yeah, you're, you're doing it the expensive way because it's quality. But there's a version of this that's affordable too. It's yeah, yeah, we can do that too, and it just makes it so much easier to control. And having th this kind of setup makes it more professional. And you can have this at home, and it's always set up perfectly for you the way you want it, right? So yeah. you don't have to go back, go like physical events. You have to go in and out, set everything up, break everything back down. Things break, things get lost. You know. Matt, I'll tell you. Well, I'll, I'll wrap up on my end with a quick story. So um, I was I think right before we started to record live, I was telling you about my office. So um, we live in a 997 square foot condo. It's a wonderful place. We're very happy to have a home here in Silicon Valley, and it's a condo that is tight. It's a you know very kind of like every spot is used. Like we now have a stationary bike in the kitchen area. Like it's every spot is used. We have a little little girl who got one room for a nursery, which okay. is going to be my office. So we have a, a hallway bathroom which is a sink basically that then goes into a sliding area that is the toilet shower that then goes into another area which is a secondary sink it's really three sinks in the place and who many i mean you got a kitchen sink and a bathroom sink you're taking care of so i i put a wood panel like i i believe in gary keller's concept of building a bunker so i, I put a panel over the sink in the hallway it's the laundry room too by the way i have an easel in front of me where my laptop goes. I have a professional mic. I have the halo on there. I've got a couple of easels, a couple of tripods. And then I'm so excited because literally just this morning I started to install a green screen, which is gonna be on a rail, like a room divider rail. And there's just no excuse. Like it's 10 square feet. I'm gonna get to tell my daughter that the year I made more money than I've ever made before I did it in the bathroom. And it's, <laughs> it's the craziest thing to be able to do, but it's just, I, I must spend 10 bucks a day, at least on Amazon, just tinkering with something to go ahead and buy that I need for technology, a little hub or a little, a little something. Yeah. And you can always ask me about that too. I can tell you exactly what to buy based on price points, based on quality levels and what you need to have and try to be minimal, but try to have be effective too. So the lighting you need, mostly is sound and lighting. The number one thing that when I watch a video is sound first and lighting, and then it's you, right? So uh, you're so right. I, um, so the microphone that you have is probably extraordinary. I didn't buy a microphone because I wanted better sound. I bought yeah. a microphone because it's a prop. And I'll tell you, we all are at a disadvantage when it comes to value building. So people trust people that have value to offer. And when you can't communicate that, you are at a disadvantage. So we used to do it with the cars that we drive. We used to do it with the way that we look. Everybody's got long hair at the top. My wife's like, I've never seen your hair this long. <laughs> it's going to be way longer, honey. Like, I mean, I'm just shaving the sides and going high on the top. Like yeah. we have a different style to life right now and being able to go ahead and create some look of value. And every one of us that sells something should have a prop mic. Now mine works. It was 150 bucks, yeah. but it's not a professional studio mic. And it's just important when I make a point, I can go look right in the screen and I can just pull it up. Yeah. Have that. And it's, it's a prop. It's fun yeah. to have these things in our lives.
Yeah, it is. Sometimes it is. And the reason I use this one as a condenser microphone is because I can talk right here and everyone outside, you won't hear it because it's not a dynamic microphone where you can hear everything in the room ambience. That's why I have this. So my kid can be running out screaming. You won't hear it. No way. Yeah. So like, can you hear me now? No. You don't, it's different, right? But you know, right, right here, you hear me. And I can turn this as loud as I want with my controller. Like, I'd have no idea. I had no idea what a condenser microphone did. That's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> I can teach you all about this stuff. I actually need to do more mastermind classes every week and just talk about everything you want to talk about. I'm actually trying to put everything out there. Hey, Matt. Yeah, actually, open invitation, man. I'd like to put a Real Producers event together, a technology conversation where you can teach people how to have a virtual office. Yep. Um, I mean, it's <laughs> you're the best, dude. I really I appreciate you making time for this and get we'll get to do it again in a week. Yeah, I love it. Let's do it. Let's set up events and start going and talk about everything. Yeah. All right, so we're gonna wrap it up today. Uh, thank you guys so much for everything, uh, being out there, watching what we're doing. Uh, this is Mitch, Mitch, Real Producers, and uh, let me give you his information right here. You can reach out to him. Uh, definitely check out his magazines, they're great. I'm actually gonna be featured on next week. So we're gonna talk about that and see everything going on and just talk about how that all happened and you know what it's all about and what we feel about it. And we appreciate you, Mitch, and Real Producers, and especially your wife too. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here. Mitch Felix right here, you can call, text, or email him right here down below and for more check out interviews mastermind events and more at youtube.matthewmaw.com and i'll see you guys soon thank you so much thank you